That was uh, from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Um, just to give you an update on Bill and Sue. Bill and Sue are up in Tennessee with their oldest daughter, Margaret, who uh, is due date for their, her child is today. Uh, last time I talked to Bill was at 8.30 this morning, and absolutely nothing was going on. So, um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted with that. Um, as we continue uh, together on the road trip through Romans, uh, we come to chapter 12 this week. But before we push ahead any further, I actually want to stop and I want to go back in time a little bit. Actually, two weeks ago, uh, the youth group went on our summer mission trip to Birmingham, Alabama. We stayed on Samford University's campus, which if you ever get a chance to go to Samford University's campus, I highly recommend it. It was it is one of the prettiest campuses I have ever, ever seen. It's uh, it's It was really cool to stay on that campus. But during the week, we worked with this group called King's Home. And it was a group that um, that has uh, houses for battered women and their children. And they also have houses uh, for troubled teens as well. Uh, so during the day, uh, the morning time consisted of us doing a um, what was supposed to be a backyard Bible club, but we were working with like four and five year old kids. So it turned out to sing in this little light of mine like 20 times and coloring, uh, which was great because that's what those kids needed. Uh, and then in the uh, afternoon time, we would go out and we painted these three sections of deck. But if you put them all together, it was like 70 feet of deck with railing and it was out in the heat and the sun. And it was uh, it, it, it was tough. I'm not going to lie, but it was a very successful week. Um, now, that does not mean that everybody came back whole. We came back beaten up and broken. Uh, when we left, we had one kid with a little patch of poison ivy on his cheek. By Wednesday morning, it had spread all over his face and his right eye was shut, uh, swelled shut. So he's fine now. He's fine now. Um, Alex Faber, who is the bass player in our contemporary band uh, over in the fellowship hall right now. The first night we were there, he had a dream that there was a snake in his bed. And he jumped out of bed and banged his knee on the tile floor. And so he hobbled around the rest of the week. And then uh, the very last night, I'm in my room and Thomas Sullinger calls me. And uh, he, him and the rest of the guys were out throwing Frisbee and doing what high school guys do. And um, Thomas calls me. He says, Jared, I need you to come get me. I broke my collarbone. Uh, and me, being the loving and caring youth pastor I am, I told him to quit joking, and I hung up the phone on him. Um, which then he called me back. He said, no, I'm serious. You need to come get me. So three-hour emergency room stay at the Brookwood. Um, what is it? Did, did I say it wrong? Oh, I thought someone corrected me. I'm sorry. Brookwood Medical Center. Uh, we were there till 2.30, and Thomas is fine. He had surgery on Thursday, and everything's uh, healing up properly. But... Um, we came back beaten up and broken, but it was a very successful week. Um, and I know that sounds strange, but it was very successful uh, only because the love of God was showed to everyone uh, that we encountered that week. Uh, so these first two verses from our scripture today in Romans chapter 12 um, are actually the theme verses for our youth group here at Pittman Park called Realign. Um, and actually... Uh, Ryan read it from your pew Bible, but I'm actually going to read it again from Eugene Peterson's translation called The Message. And it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, 
Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No. God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. So those first two verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2, are our theme verses for Realign. And we talk all the time about what worship truly is. Is it just singing songs in church? Even though Here I Am is one of my top five most favorite hymns of all time. Um, or maybe there's something more to it. Worship is what we do in our everyday lives. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday nights at church. These two verses are actually uh, our definition of what worship is. Offering everything we do, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work, you're walking around life as an offering to God. Now, I know that it is super easy for me to stand up here and say that, but to do it is a whole nother thing. Uh, as I was practicing uh, for this morning yesterday, we were actually at Megan's uh, classroom and we had the baby laying on a little mat over there and um, I'm practicing and we had on dirty jobs with micro. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah, dirty jobs with micro. He goes off to these places and does just these ridiculous jobs that we would never even think about. But yesterday, Mike was at this farm where they go out and they catch poisonous spiders, brown recluses, uh, black widows, and they milk them for the venom and then they produce antivenom um, out of that. So to feed all these spiders, they grow flies at this farm. Now, if you didn't know this, flies lay their eggs in not so appealing places. Um, they, they usually don't smell very good. Um, and so they walk into this room where the fly larva is. And immediately when they walk in there, Micro's eye starts watering. He starts coughing and gagging. And the guy who works there is standing there talking to him like I'm talking to you right now. And after about five minutes, the guy's finally like, well, I guess we should go outside and take a breather. And Mike Rose, like on the floor in the fetal position, uh, just hurting. So that is what becoming well-adjusted 
to this world is like. It's like that guy who's been smelling that smell for so long, he walks in there and he doesn't even realize it. We don't even notice that we aren't serving God in every aspect of our life. We just end up serving God in what we feel like is okay for us to serve God in. Now, the problem with what we think is true worship is sometimes we think that what we do is what God can use. We think that we bring this goodness to God. But Paul says here very clearly that it isn't what we do for God, but what God has done for us. And that's sending his only son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. On our mission trip, we got to actually meet the uh, worship band, the band that led worship for us. They're called the Museum. And uh, the lead singer told us that he had been playing guitar and singing in front of church since he was 15 years old. He'd been leading worship since he was 15 years old. And he told us that worship for him took on this whole new meaning in life when he finally realized that his playing and his singing was not what he was giving to God. His playing and his singing was an action in what God had gave to him. So let me ask you a question, though. We're going to have a time of confession because I know that makes everyone comfortable. Okay, so I want everyone to raise their hand. How many people think that when you try to live the Christian life, when you try to worship God, when you try to follow Christ, that it is extremely difficult Please raise your hand if you think that's if you think that's true. I'll, I will raise two hands. That's the so now you put your hands down. Thank you for taking our survey this morning. But for those of you who raised your hands, you are all incorrect. When we try to live the Christian life, when you try to worship God, it isn't extremely difficult. It is impossible when you try to do it. It's only through Christ. And with each other that we're able to live this Christ-centered life. We're called into relationships with God and we're called into relationships with other people. Uh, do y'all remember the series we did? I think it was before the Road Trip Through Romans, the Living the Five series. Um, and Tommy actually had on a button earlier uh, today when he was speaking. But one of the sticky statements uh, for one of those weeks was, you can't do life alone. And how true that is. This life of a Christian can be such a daunting task when we try to tackle it by ourselves. But when we are in relationship with God and when we're in relationship with other people, it becomes so much easier. Now, I love this translation, the Eugene Peterson's uh, translation in the message. Um, he basically says, what good is a chopped off finger or toe? By themselves, they have absolutely no meaning. They're just a finger. They're just a toe. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers the district superintendent that was before Dr. Ben Martin. And I know that's reaching back a little ways, um, but it was um, Jim Robinson. And um, he came to a charge conference one time when I was at First United Methodist in Claxton. And he said something that I've actually stolen. And I say it almost every week to the kids. And he would say, teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. And that's what needs to happen when we become and are the body of Christ. We all work as a team with no member being more important than the next, with each member finding their meaning in the whole and not individually. Work as a team to spread the good news 
that the blood of Jesus wipes away all sin from everyone, no matter what their color, their race, or their creed is. We're called into relationship with God, and we're called into relationship with others. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was actually a German theologian who was living in America during uh, the start of World War II, and during this time he was writing about community in Christ, Christ Christ-centered community. And when he saw what was happening in Nazi-controlled Germany... He thought to himself, how can I write about these things and I can't act on it? So he loaded up his stuff and he went back to Germany. Now, while he was there, he wouldn't comply with the Nazis and was actually arrested and tried as a war criminal. And after a very biased trial, he was thrown into a concentration camp. And actually two weeks before American forces liberated his camp, he was murdered. But Bonhoeffer said in one of his books, he said, we must be ready to allow others to excuse me. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. So you see, sometimes it's other people who show us what God's will is for us. Uh, I had a boss one time who's actually turned into a great mentor for me. And um, he would tell me stories. He works in the communication field. And uh, he would tell me stories about how he went off to Germany and Italy and the Middle East and North Africa. And they were just building all these communication infrastructure. And um, after telling me all these stories, he said, but you know what, Jared? You know where the best place in the world to be. The best place in the world to be. Do you know where it is? And I, I, I don't know. I hadn't been outside of the South. And uh, he said, the best place in the world to be is in God's will. And we only get that through a relationship with Christ and a relationship with others. Now, during the mission trip, uh, during our time of worship, the speaker took us through the book of Philippians, which Philippians is a short book. There's only four chapters, but whenever you only have three meeting times, we are screaming through the book of Philippians. Now, Philippians and Romans were both written by Paul, but when Paul wrote Philippians, he was actually in jail at the time. And Philippians 1.21 says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. A very short sentence with a lot of meaning behind it. Now, I can only imagine how Paul actually lived out this verse uh, while he was in prison. I can picture the guard coming down the steps and he walks up to Paul's cell and he says, Paul, we just had a staff meeting. We're going to kill you. And Paul says, great, because to die is gain. If I'm able to die, I'm able to be with God, which means I can have a one-on-one relationship with him. Woo-hoo. So, you know, that the guard is now taken aback. So the guard comes back the next day and he says, Paul, we had another staff meeting. We're not going to kill you. Paul says, great, because to live is Christ. Because if I get to live, I get to learn more about Christ. I get to share Christ with those around me and have a relationship with those people as well. What an amazing statement. We can only grow our Christian relationships when we spend time with other people. I love Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, so as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Being in community is so beneficial to us. It is so beneficial that in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your sins to one another, and you will be healed. Now, let me point out that it does not say, Confess your sins to one another, and you will be saved. 
It does not say that. But that's where our relationship with Christ comes into play. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world might be saved through him. It is only through the blood of Christ that we are saved, but confessing our sins to one another can heal us. You know, there's something about getting a hurt and worry off our chest that it, it gives us, it, it sets us free. That hurt and that worry weighs us down. And we only feel comfortable with confessing our sins to one another when we have meaningful relationships, when we actually spend time with other people. Now, during the week of our mission trip, I think the biggest team building part was the ride back. I was on Interstate 16, and if you ever rode on Interstate 16 on a bus, it's like this. And it just keeps going. And it never smooths out. So, I'm driving, and I look in the rearview mirror, which if you've never been on the bus, it has this, this tiny regular rearview mirror, which I don't know why the manufacturer even put that on there, because you can't see behind you. Um, but there's also this big mirror. And when you look in this mirror, you can see the entire back of the bus. It's great. You can see everyone. And I looked up in that mirror, and every one of the kids that was in the back of the bus was all in on the same conversation. We had sixth graders interacting with 11th graders. Everyone was laughing and having a good time. Now, at first, I was a little bit upset because I thought if that's all it took, we would have loaded up in the bus on Monday and rode around for a couple hours. <laughs> but as I got to thinking about it, it was meaningful because they had just spent this entire week out in the hot sun painting a deck. There were times that as we were painting, some of the kids would look up and say, what in the world does this have to do with building the kingdom of God? They had been through the gauntlet of a mission trip. And when they came out on the other side, they were closer to each other for it. And we're called to community in Christ. We're called to community with each other. And one of the best and easiest ways to actually live out this community is whenever we celebrate Holy Communion like we're about to do. Because all are invited to this table. It doesn't matter whether you're a member of Pittman Park or you're just visiting. This table is open. I also want to remind everyone that we do have gluten-free elements as well. So if you need those, please uh, just uh, inform your servers. Reverend Tom.